This Week in KMA Land, Shenandoah tightens water conservation measures. Page County Supervisors continue wind ordinance review. Pottawatomie County Board holds wind turbine hearing. Shen School Board offers instructor incentives. And Shenandoah grad returns for Veterans Day message. I'm Mike Peterson. Make that stage four water rationing in Shenandoah. More sobering news on Shenandoah's water situation came from Tuesday night city council meeting. By unanimous vote, the council approved stage four water rationing. City Water Superintendent Tim Martin says stage four carries stricter provisions than stage three, which was implemented last month. What that upgrades to is no irrigation except for those selling plants or trees. Um, you can wash your car with a bucket only unless you want to go to the car wash. No pools, but I don't think that's a problem right now. We're refilling. Martin says water-consuming air conditioning equipment using 5% of the water circulation is prohibited, as is outdoor cleaning of surfaces, including buildings, sidewalks, driveways, or porches, and the non-essential cleaning of commercial and industrial equipment, machinery, or interior space. Preventing the loss of water through defective plumbing or fixtures is prohibited, except if the customer can provide proof of a defect. Martin says stage four is necessary because of the continuing decline of water levels in the city's wells. He adds lower water levels impacts the operation of the well's pumps. The lowest level is 3.6 feet above the screen and 87.2. You got three wells at 4.6, one well at 4.3, one well at 4.2, and one well at 3.9. And uh, we have well safeguards in place, so when you get one feet above the screen, that pump motor is going to start slowing down to, to allow recovery to help out that pump. When you get to one feet, one foot above the screen, the pump shuts off. Martin is also concerned about maintenance issues connected to the wells. My concerns at this time cannot at this time take a well offline for maintenance or cleaning and not know what the results might be. Potential windstorms, electrical problems, um, a power surge, and mechanical fails, a simple pump that might burn out or break down. Um, unsure how the well levels would react if one or two wells went offline. While saying he doesn't want to scare anyone, Martin says residents uh, should continue to conserve water as much as possible. I believe it's going to be a long run. I don't see any rain in the forecast, and the river would have to come up considerably and stay up considerably to be able to come out of these stages. Though construction is underway on two new water wells, Martin says it'll be May before they're completed. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Wednesday morning, Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen urged residents to continue their due diligence on water usage. You know, we're putting things in place to make sure that we can conserve. Uh, I think the citizens have done a great job. I appreciate everything they've done. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not out of water. We're not going to be limiting people on when they can take a bath or whatever. Uh, but we just have to continue to conserve. Anyone with questions regarding Stage 4 water conservation should contact the Shenandoah Water Department at 712-246-3372 or email tmartin at shenandoahiowa.net. Page County's continuing wind turbine ordinance review is nearing a climax. Meeting in regular session Thursday night, the county's Board of Supervisors and County Attorney Carl Songson discussed a few remaining items regarding an updated ordinance governing permits for wind energy conversion systems, or CWEX. 
The board has spent the greater part of the year proposing changes to the current 2019 ordinance and has spent the last two months fine-tuning an initial copy presented by Songson that included redactions and additions to the current document. Supervisor Todd Maher says he recently presented language from a similar ordinance in Madison County regulating the disposal of construction materials for wind projects. One thing I was thinking of was that if they, let's say they replace a generator on it, And they've got the old generator sitting there and instead of just letting it sit outside somewhere they need to make sure that that's getting disposed of in a timely fashion or if a blade needs replaced and they lay the old blade down however due to the regulation likely fitting into multiple areas including decommissioning and the construction process songson suggested a separate ordinance regarding the disposal of such materials Additionally, in the road use agreement, Supervisor's Chair Jacob Holmes followed up on potentially striking a line stating that the developer at no time would have a security amount in excess of $500,000. So we're trying to decide what number to use because in roads, that doesn't go very far. That doesn't go very far at all. Uh, $500,000 does very little on paving. So we've talked about maybe just strike that line because we don't know what the limit should be. It kind of depends on how big what we're dealing with. Songson also left the line blank for how much the county would want the developer to set aside in an escrow account for potential damage and repair. Holmes added that County Engineer J.D. King would likely be able to provide a cost per mile of road once a developer presents which roads they plan to use. However, after talks with an Adams County supervisor, Holmes says they should ensure they include language saying that the dollars set aside can also cover future maintenance or refurbishments of the turbines. He did talk to me about how they're redoing when they come back putting new blades on and the generator that they're doing right now up there. I've always been there for years. Their agreement wasn't real tight on the coming back. And he says they were in big trouble. They had bridges, they broke bridges, they broke things, and they weren't wanting to pay in certain ways. So I and, and they were having to really be careful. So we might make sure if you could look at the wording of coming back. Board members hope to post an initial draft of the ordinance by the end of the month and allow for at least a week of public input before the required public hearing and three readings. Pottawatomie County is the latest battleground on the contentious wind turbine issue. Pros and cons of turbines were heard at Tuesday morning's Pottawatomie County Board of Supervisors meeting. For more than two hours, the board heard comments regarding an amendment to the county's zoning ordinance by adding provisions for wind energy and solar energy systems. Will Doherty is project developer with MidAmerican Energy, whose proposed Silver Creek Wind Farm currently would cover 15,000 acres in both Montgomery and Pottawatomie counties. Doherty spoke against setback provisions of 1,500 feet from property lines, saying that distance would prohibit wind energy development in the county. We don't believe that pushing setback distances out to half a mile or 1,500 feet property lines uh, would be justifiable for that purpose. There are over 3,400 wind turbines within our fleet alone, over 5,000 across the state that are within this distance that have been operating with uh, reliability and safety for dozens of years, hundreds of years, cumulatively. Dan Peterson of Neola supports wind turbine development in the county. We want wind energy on our farm. It's clean, renewable energy. It generates $62 million in revenue for our county, our landowners, and our communities. We fail to pass school bonds. We have budget shortfalls. We have poverty. We have unemployment. Wind power is not experimental. Over 60% of Iowa's power is from wind. Pottawatomie County needs to have the revenue from this $62 million project. Saying turbines would destroy the county's beauty, Terry McLean of Carson says the proposed setback regulations don't go far enough. I'm opposed to your 
setbacks because I think you ought to double them. Make it further and further away. This is a quality of life issue. I, my son had a beautiful acreage up by Boone, Iowa. Had a great view. He, they set up there as a family and watched the sunset. Just a fantastic family thing. After they'd lived there a couple years, all of a sudden that's all filled in with these ugly windmills. Jessica Gaines of Trainer says she can't understand why wind turbines are still an issue. She says most of the county's landowners oppose the turbines. These are the people that you represent. The turbines, with their constant noise, infrasound, shadow flicker, constant need for maintenance, and overall land that they utilize are not something that we want peppering our beautiful countryside. They impact our fields, livestock, and overall way of life. No action was taken Tuesday morning. Board members opted to continue the public hearing at its November 29th meeting. Shenandoah School District is among those offering incentives to lure instructors in specialized fields. By a 3 to nothing vote late Monday afternoon, the Shenandoah School Board approved paying tuition and fees for instructors required to obtain early childhood special education endorsements. Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Carrie Nelson told the board it previously authorized similar incentives to fill other positions. We've had an extremely difficult time over the last five years finding special education teachers. We've also had difficulty finding teachers who are able to teach science and the board has given authorization for the district to pay for endorsements in special education and in science. That language did not include early childhood special education. It was very specific to BD, and we're in a position where we cannot fill this position. Currently, Nelson says a third grade teacher is going above and beyond her duties by also covering special ed, an option the superintendent calls taxing. Nelson admits the district is having uncomfortable discussions regarding offering incentives. Every time we bring it up in different settings, people kind of cringe because you think it doesn't feel good to give somebody a hiring bonus when you have other staff that's doing the work. But we're seeing other districts giving five and $10,000 for endorsements that used to be quite common to have. And we're going to have to make some difficult decisions about the use of hiring bonuses in the very new future or we're not going to be in the market. Nelson says other area districts smaller than Shenandoah are already offering incentives. I think we need to treat our staff well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we need be. to encourage them and provide incentive in almost any direction we can afford to go to keep our staff to be encouraging towards our staff. I, I don't think we have a, any disagreement on it. It's um, we've paid for the endorsements that we've had to do. Shenandoah School Board is also among those in KMA land addressing school violence issues. At that same meeting, the board approved the first reading of a policy regarding threats of violence and threat assessment questions. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning, Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Carrie Nelson said the policy is in response to a bill passed in the Iowa legislature last spring requiring districts to implement policies addressing threats based on an age level of a student as well as the threat level and severity. They wanted the Department of Education to create a model policy for all of us to look at and follow and then for school boards to adopt it. And so we're in the process of reviewing the information that was given to us by the Department of Education 
and then beginning those stages of adopting a formal policy. Nelson says the policy takes a leveled approach to discipline and penalties against students making threats or committing violence in the district based on grades. When you're looking at the leveled approach, it always requires that there's parent notification. It always requires that if a student is in special education, a new IEP meeting is held and there's discussion about what's appropriate there. It's appropriate to consider consequences such as in-school suspension, probably more on the younger end, and then also it goes to the point of up to and including expulsion from school. Nelson credits Glenwood School Superintendent Dr. Devin Embray with assisting Shenandoah and other Hawkeye 10 schools with developing the policy. The superintendent says input was sought from the district staff. The policy's second reading takes place at the board's next meeting, in December. Shenandoah's traditional Veterans Day ceremonies last Friday took on a homecoming flavor of sorts. Shenandoah's middle school band under the direction of Michael Jones just one part of the ceremonies inside the Shenandoah High School gym. Almost a decade ago, Alec Griebert sat in the bleachers listening to speeches extolling the virtues of veterans. Last Friday morning, it was his turn to talk about his military experience as this year's guest speaker. Staff Sergeant Griebert enlisted in the U.S. Air Force following his graduation from Shenandoah High School in 2017. During his six years of the Air Force, he was stationed at Moody Air Force Base, Georgia, with the 825th Base Defense Squadron, and at the U.S. Air Force Academy, Colorado, with the 10th Security Force Squadron. Griebert was also deployed to West Africa and Central Saudi Arabia in support of Operation Spartan Shield and Inherit Resolve. Speaking before high school and middle school students, plus other attendees, Griebert fondly reflected on his years in the Air Force. Throughout my six years as a military police officer, I had the privilege in participating in amazing training courses that helped further my career and technical knowledge. I was able to travel around the world, exploring places I never thought I'd get to see. And I was fortunate enough to meet amazing men and women from across the country who became my brothers and sisters in arms. Given the opportunity, Griebert says he would serve in the military again. At the same time, he says he also faced both physical and mental challenges that drove him near the breaking point. Whether it was a lack of sleep on a 24-hour shift, the worst-tasting dining facility food imaginable, or being forced to carry a log over our heads until our muscles gave out. I always had my wingmen there with me. Going through the same thing I was, embracing the suck as our superiors told us to do. But there was one challenge that tested me the most. I struggled with my mental health to the point where I didn't know if I was going to come home. During his Saudi Arabian deployment in 2019, Griebert struggled with the end of a failed relationship and watching an older sister's wedding ceremonies via FaceTime. Hometown help came from Shenandoah High staffer Brenda Wood, who organized a relief effort of sorts. Mama Wood told me that she wanted to send me a care package with some food and a new Huskers t-shirt to hopefully feel like I'm making myself at home over there. I received the care package a few weeks later with the surprise that she had gotten 10 different teachers who all wanted to send me something to help me through these tough times, along with letters from an entire elementary class that they had written to me in Miss Shook's music class. Rebert tells KMA News the high suicide rate among veterans, especially those who served in Vietnam, compelled him to address the mental anguish he and other military personnel face either during or after their service. I know a lot of people in the military or outside of the military now um, don't have, I wouldn't say the strength, but 
the courage to speak up about mental health and talking about what big problem it is right now with all the veterans that we lose every day uh, to mental health. So it was truly an honor to come back here and talk about the awareness, um, bringing awareness to both middle school, high school, uh, everyone in the community that if you do need help, just reach out. Just ask. It's not that hard. Now a veteran himself, Graybird says he has new appreciation for Veterans Day. It's honestly, uh, compared to when I was here sitting in the stands in 2017 to now, it is a great difference now. I look at all these other veterans who are sitting here and I just, one, have a better appreciation for what they have done. Seeing what I've gone through, knowing what they've gone through, whether it's going fighting from Korea or in Vietnam or anything like that, that it greatly brought a bigger appreciation to what they have done and their service to our country. Veterans Day may be over, but the need to address issues facing veterans of all U.S. conflicts continues. Janet Olson is Page County's Veterans Affairs Executive Director. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Monday morning, Olson says post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD is a direct link to veterans' mental health anguish, often leading to suicide. Any person that goes into the military and faces combat or a sexual abuse or any issue is going to come back with some problems and mental issues that they're going to want to speak and talk about. What PTSD really is, is that if someone is put into a trauma that they cannot morally or physically handle, the brain shuts a door. When that door shuts and locks down, it puts that person in a mode to run. That is a defensive mode, and you can't back out of that. So you face that every day. Side effects of PTSD among veterans include disrupted sleep patterns and trauma, including looking out the window to see if someone is coming. Olson says substance abuse is another side effect. She has problems with drug and alcohol abuse get worse as the Vietnam War veterans get older. Well, anytime that you have a situation you cannot control and you cannot face, you want to self-medicate. And so the easiest way to do that is to reach out to something you like. So if you like to drink beer, you're going to drink beer. If you want to get on drugs to help you pass it away or to cover up and disguise the problems and symptoms that you have, that's what you're going to use. And once you face that and hit it head on, that's when we can help getting you to the right path and maybe have a really productive life. Another issue involves the struggles veterans face in adjusting to post-service civilian life. You've got to understand that we're a trained force. I mean, we know how to fold our socks. It comes down to detail. And then when you get put back into a system where everything is freelance, it's hard to make those changes. Veterans make really good employees because we're meticulous and pay attention to detail. But no, it's not easier. It's a, it's a transition that needs a little help along the way. Olson says the first step for veterans is tackling PTSD and other issues is seeking help. Acknowledging it is number one, of course. That's your first step. We look for those signs. And as a veteran service officer, I'm trained to work with the veterans and see the pattern and get them help. And I have a tremendous network in this area to get reach out and get them some help, let them visit and see if maybe we can help things along to give them back their normal life. Olson says her office relies on a network of counselors assisting in helping veterans' mental health issues, including Shenandoah's VA Community-Based Outpatient Clinic, or CBOC, and Wabonzi Mental Health. Any veteran with questions should contact Janet Olson's office at 
42-54. Shenandoah School District honored its MVPs Wednesday afternoon. Commemorating American Education Week, the Shenandoah Education Association announced some special award recipients at its annual celebration to the middle school commons. Mace Henson, one of the district's ardent supporters, received this year's Friend of Education Award. Shenandoah instructors Danielle Terry and Jenny Stevens co-hosted this year's ceremonies. Terry says Henson is known for his involvement with the Forum to Revitalize Shenandoah and shows extraordinary passion and support for the community schools. If you ever see Mace out and about in Shenandoah, you will notice that he is probably wearing the maroon shirt that says Shenandoah or Mustangs Phillies on it. Mace is so proud of our students and shows that by keeping his church family aware of all the great things going on at the school. Mace also is so enthusiastic when he is announcing at football games. Henson says he wants to make a difference in the district and community. Because that's the beginning of our community. It's, it's the stronghold, it's, it's the cement, it's, it's, it's the concrete part of our community is our school district. And we need more advocates out in the public. We need more people saying positive things about our school district, saying positive things about our administration, about our, our teachers who this school district is so fortunate to have some of the best school teachers I've ever met in my entire life. Jackie Holsty, a Title I instructor at Shenandoah Elementary School, is this year's Teacher of the Year recipient. In addition to serving as a reading interventionist the past three years, Stephen says Holsty has years of experience in a K-6 classroom as a general education instructor. Her laugh is distinctive and she has a sense of self that enables her to instill confidence in the children that that she impacts as they identify and match letter sounds, blend those sounds together to decode words, and attach meaning to those words to understand what they are reading. Holsty credits her fellow elementary staffers for her success, as well as an elementary instructor who inspired her to enter the education field. I love my job. I've always loved teaching. I love working with kids. I love seeing their progress. And so I think just now, just watching the kids um, improve and do things for me is what keeps me there every day. One of the mainstays of Shenandoah's JK-8 building is this year's support staff member of the year. Longtime middle school secretary Wendy Palmer says staffers like her pay a big role in education. We're here very first thing in the morning. I'm here. The custodians are already here and we greet people as they come in. We help the students. The custodians are here. They make the building look great. We've got the kitchen staff that helps feed all the children and the staff here at the school. So we all play a very important role in our education. Instructors past and present, support staff members, administrators, past Teacher of the Year and Friend of Education winners and members of the public were in attendance at Wednesday's ceremonies. Red Oak School officials are looking to offering an online blended learning program. At its regular meeting Wednesday evening, the Red Oak School Board discussed the potential program with Superintendent Ron Lorenz and other administrative team members, which would serve the district's non-traditional students. Lorenz says new open enrollment laws allowing students to enroll out of the district in any time of the year, paired with a growing number of online courses in other districts, have led to some students leaving their district. While saying it isn't a replacement for in-person, in-classroom learning, Lorenz adds it's an opportunity to retain more of their students. In the past year, we have had no less than 20 students open enroll to neighboring districts offering online learning programs. We believe that we can meet these students' needs with the same level of rigor using existing resources, specifically our Ingenuity platform. So we would like to do so. 
And junior senior high principal Nate Perriance is having an in-house online learning program would also prevent confusion for students transitioning back into the district from another school's program. That creates issues with credits and what did they actually get done? What did they not get done? If it's in our program, we know exactly where they're at, what they had completed, what they had not completed. We know what what to put them in, in, in online for the remainder of the year, what did they what they can continue in person. So we're entering a new world in general with all this um, and the open enrollment stuff and the voucher stuff. So I think we'd be crazy not to entertain this. Though the board took no action on the topic, Lorenz hopes to have a proposal to the board next month to begin offering the program in January. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. Be listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This Week in KMA Land is a presentation of KMA News.